in 2018, uh, my wife Karina and I decided that it would be a good opportunity for us to take our children to the city where we were born, Mexico, La Ciudad de Mexico, Mexico City. And I went to middle school there back in the uh, early 80s, and it was kind of a fun thing, and I thought it would be great for our children and our family to experience the culture and to stay downtown. Now, during that year, there was the World Cup, and the Mexican national team was doing pretty good. So we got caught up in the fever, and I said, you know what, we need to get some, some jerseys, something that re represent Mexico, and we want to be part of this celebration. And when we looked at how much they cost, these were the Adidas jerseys, uh, there were just no way we could have purchased. There were $150. Then I remember we were staying near downtown, and, and when I was a kid, there was this place, this market, where you can find just about anything. I said, well, let's go find some things. And we went, and we sure, for sure, we found some jerseys. Now, the, the amazing thing is that this looked just like the ones that the team wore. I mean, they had the Adidas logo, you know, it had just the quality was nice. It even had the tags that said Adidas and even had the barcode. You know, and when I looked and said, this is amazing, I was expecting to pay, you know, be asked to pay $150. But when he got to it, I said, how much is this? And when they told me the price, I knew something wasn't quite what it appeared to be. You know, because when you are able to purchase a jersey for $15 instead of the $150, you can say that we got a really good deal or realize that appearances may not be an accurate representation of our reality. And that's where I discovered there's a new word in the Spanish language, clone. That is the word that they use, clone. It says, sir, these are clones. They look like the real thing. They feel like the real thing. They even have the features as the real thing. But the cost is not the same. We're living in a time, an unprecedented time. There's, there's access to information. There is people through social media. We're able to, to share and connect. And a lot of good things are happening because of this new this technology. Uh, in the Spanish ministry here at the church, we are having Bible studies. We have prayer meetings for families, prayer meetings for women's, women's ministries. And we're reaching people in Chicago. We're reaching people outside of Chicago. We're actually reaching people outside of the country. We have ladies joining the, the Bible study and the prayer meetings all the way from Argentina. We have people, ladies and sisters in Christ, joining from uh, Brazil. And they don't even speak the same language in Brazil. Similar. But we find a great opportunity to reach people with a gospel and edify people's spiritual life from Chicago to the world. And that's exciting. But there's also a challenge that comes with that access. Because alongside with the gospel, we have a lot of other Gospels, different Gospels. 
that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about this other, this different gospel. And it's a title that Paul gives to this quote-unquote gospel, this clone. That it looks like the real deal, but it's cheaper. It doesn't carry the same value, and it definitely would not carry the same results as the real gospel. So we're going to go to, the, to our Bibles, the book of Galatians. And um, when they ask me what verses are we going to do in the book of Galatians, I have a really hard time because I say, well, well let's do the whole book. So I'm not going to read the whole book, but the lessons will come from various portions of the chapter. And today we're going to answer this question, and I want to share with you uh, what does it look like? What are the symptoms of living under a different gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know, there has been uh, recently a lot of Christian leaders writing about the crisis of the church, the crisis of the evangelical church. And they're right. They're, we, we have a crisis mostly about this distortion of the truth of God. But it's not a new problem. It's not a new problem. The scriptures are right. There's nothing new under heaven. And as we're going to see, they, Paul writes to the, church, the churches in Galatia to address a problem that we're facing today. And I'm going to share five symptoms, five signs that you can look into your life and identify whether you're following the true gospel or a different gospel. So here we're going to open up with Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. And this is Paul after his greeting. He says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and that turned into a different gospel. Not that there is any other one, but that there are some who trouble you and who want to distort the gospel of Christ. Recently, I had a, a lady, one of our members of our community, send me a messenger message. And, and she said, hey, Pastor, do you mind taking a look at this particular church? My granddaughter is involved in it. And I took a look at it, and it looked very impressive, big, lots and lots of members, lots and lots of media, lots and lots of teaching. They said they claim that they followed the Bible. And I was reading the doctrine and the doctrine said, they say simply, we believe in God the Father. But then he went on to say, we believe in God the Mother. And I stopped right there. It looks great. It looks like a real church, but when you see a little change, a little half-truth. Yes, there's God the Father, but there's no God the Mother. As I look in more deeply, was, I realized it was a distortion, a misinterpretation of Scripture. They have taken thousands of people in a different direction, they have been deviated, Christ, for this false gospel. And I had to tell her, I'm sorry, sister, but this is a false church. It's a false gospel. And as we talked, I discovered that this young lady has some of the symptoms. The first symptom I want to talk about here is when you follow a different gospel, you have a loss of freedom in Christ. You lose your freedom in Christ. 
And Paul uses several examples throughout the, the letter to the churches and says, listen, let me give you, first of all, understand something. I'm going to give you an example from my life, says Paul. And he said, he goes on how he became a believer, how he was a Judaizer. He persecuted the church. By, by the grace of Christ, he is rescue. And when he gets to chapter 2, he says they, they were getting ready and they were proclaiming the gospel to Gentiles. And when Gentiles got converted, he said, I didn't require them to be circumcised. Because the main problem of this false gospel was, if you have Christ, that's good. But you still need to be circumcised. You still need to follow the law. And Paul says, when, when we came across and Titus became a believer, I didn't require him to be circumcised because we no longer live by that. And then he reads in chapter 2, verse 4, he says, Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ, so that we might bring us into, they might bring us into slavery. You see, a false gospel, a different gospel than the one of Jesus takes away your freedom in Christ. Takes away your freedom in Christ. If you're looking around in your experience, in your experience as a believer and you find that you have no freedom, that there's no joy, that you feel that people have list after list of things that you must do, then you may be following a different gospel. Because a different gospel takes away your freedom in Christ. Not only that, but there's also that you are made to live in fear. You live in fear. He goes on, post goes on to, to describe an experience he had with Cephas, with Peter. And he says that he came to Peter and he saw Peter in Antioch. And Peter was hanging out with the brothers. He was hanging out with the Gentiles. And he was going to the barbecue and he was enjoying a nice pulled pork sandwich. Having a nice cold drink. Until some brothers from Jerusalem came. Men from, they came from James. James was a pastor in Jerusalem. He was eating with Gentiles by when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. There's a political name for your party right there. But here it is, Peter, right, who walked with the Lord, who saw grace after grace, who denied Jesus and then was forgiven. He had found freedom in Christ, who whose faith had been used as an example where Christ said, upon this declaration, I will build my church. Here it is, a mature Peter living in fear of what the brothers in Jerusalem are going to say when they find out that he is hanging out and eating with the Gentiles and enjoying food that he's free to eat, but that the law prohibited. And and when we live by a different gospel, we live by fear of what others may say. And that leads to the next sentence that when we live in fear, then we begin to behave hypocritically. Verse 13 of chapter 2, And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas 
was led astray by their hypocrisy. So they, when, when the strong man, when the pastor, the leader, begins to live in fear of what others may say, instead of relying on scripture, he, be, he begins to act differently with different people. And then the brothers around him become to be led astray instead of being led into the freedom in Christ. So when you live under a different gospel other than Christ, you also live in fear and hypocrisy. So now there's a fourth one. When you live under different gospel, you're trying to build your spiritual life upon works. It doesn't quite work like that. Look at what it says here in chapter 2, verse 18. Paul goes on to say, For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. See, the problem when we, when we adopt the idea that I need more than just Christ, when I need to do something just, than just having faith, is you find yourself going back to a previous life, maybe a previous religious practice. That's what they, their Jewish uh, Judaizers wanted to do to these new Gentile believers. They're saying, listen, if you want to be a Christian, you have to become a Jew. And God said, no. That's, Paul said, no. That's not what God is telling us in the gospel. That's not what Christ taught us through his mercy and grace. You can, once you tore down something, don't build it back up. It makes no sense. You tore it down because he was keeping you in boundary. He was keeping you enslaved. He was building barriers that were not supposed to be there. Now, the law had its benefits. The law told you that you were in direct, in direct disobedience to God. And now that you've been free from that, you're going to rebuild it again? Now that you have a, a better life, you're going to build up the old life again? No. No. You have died to the law. If you find yourself looking as a Christian, you found Christ, and now you're looking for things to add meaning to that, and you begin to go back to maybe the traditions of your family, the practices of the old religion, whatever it is that you were saved from, you feel that you need to add a special ceremony here, a special practice there. Not, there's nothing wrong with special services or special remembrances. All those are great, but they do not make you more holy. The things that we, we practice in church help us in our worship to God. Help us remember how God has freed his church. But they don't add to your salvation. And when you think that those practices add to your salvation, then you're taking away from the work of Christ. And you begin to distort, saying Christ is good, but Christ plus all my good stuff, my religion is better. It's Christ and nothing else and nothing less. 
finally, a fifth sign. When you follow a different gospel, you live a losing battle. Now, before you correct me and say, Pastor, the saying is you, you fight a losing battle, say maybe, but no, you live in a losing battle all the time. Look at what verse two, six, chapter 2, verse 16 says. Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. And then he writes it again in chapter 3, verse 10, where Paul says, For all who rely on the work of the law are under curse, for it is written, Cursed by every." Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. You see the problem there? When you decide to live by the law, good luck. Because in order to be saved by the law, you have to follow it perfectly. Let us think for a minute. If you going to live and be saved by the law, you need to follow Perfectly, not break any single law. Not a single command. And I believe that just here watching and viewing this video, we probably have broken a couple of those laws already. Just in that thought life. Because that is part of the gospel. Nobody can obey the law perfectly. Nobody. Because we are born sinners. There's not one just. No one is just. Not a one. So if you decide that you're going to add to your salvation, that you're going to add to your closeness to Christ by adding works then of the law, then you're actually digging yourself in a hole. Because you cannot be obeyed perfectly to the point of being saved. So those are five signs, five symptoms that you may be living under a different gospel than the one that Jesus Christ brought us. You will lose your freedom. You will live in fear. You will act hypocritically. <laughs> and I practiced that word several times. You're going to act differently before different audiences. And you're not going to be true to yourself. Not only that, you're going to try really hard. And you're going to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to be living a defeat every day. Now, what about the true gospel? What are some of the signs? What are some of the benefits? What is the result of really just trusting in Christ? Well, first of all, let's look at chapter 4, Galatians 4, verses 3 to 5. In the same way, we also, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, 
born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. That's the gospel. That's the true gospel. At the right time, when you and I have been born into the slavery of sin, God sent the only one who could have obeyed the law perfectly, and that's his son, to live and to rescue us. He obeyed the law. He is the only one that could have done it. And because of what he did, then you and I have become free, no longer sons of slavery, but sons adopted by God. And because we have been adopted by God, now we're going to inherit God. God is our inheritance. Look what verse says, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer slaves, but a son, and if a son, then a heir through God. We're going to be heirs through God. And we're going to be intimate with God. Instead of being worrying about how you please others or what others may say, you, you, you become focused on what God says because you're in an intimate relationship with God. And right here in verse 6, it says, now we're going to cry to him, Abba, Father. There's no more intimate cry than to call him Daddy. Just like when I walk through the house and my son Joshua runs, he's too young enough that he has no problem running and hugging me and said, Daddy, you're home. It's that kind of relationship that we can run to Dad, to our Father, to God and say, Daddy, an intimate relationship with God. That's what the gospel brings to us. It also brings us a life that is built on love. I'm going to jump here to verse chapter 5, verse 6. For Christ Jesus neither, for Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You see, the signs, the fruit of the real, the real gospel is the character of God in us. That we get to work and do the works of faith through love, not through fear, not through the lust of freedom. Because as we reminded in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the joke of slavery. What God has set free, we should not put back into slavery again. But we should get to work in demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit that we should show that the character of God in us through love. A similar problem Paul addresses in 1 Timothy where he says, I have asked you to stay in Ephesus so that you may instruct some of these teachers to stop teaching 
ridiculous false doctrine. That's my translation. You need to tell them to stop getting in rabbit trails that lead nowhere through genealogies that don't edify and tell them that I'm asking them to stay true to their faith, to the gospel, to the true gospel. And I do this because I love them. When we live, when we live the true gospel, we can help but to love and to do things out of love, to sacrifice out of love. Sometimes we give up our freedom because we love our weaker brother and instead of being a stumbling block, we're willing to give up our freedom not because it's going to add to salvation but because it's going to edify somebody else until they grow and mature. Love. Love is all over the gospel. Not fear. Not rules. But love. Now, that doesn't mean that we're free to go sinning. You're never free to go sin. But you're free to love. Love life. Thank God for his provision for you. Do not be enslaved by a different gospel who seeks to distort the gospel of Christ Jesus. So the question that I have for you today is what kind of gospel are you experiencing today? Are you experiencing the one and only gospel of Jesus Christ? Or do you find yourself burdened by a half-truth gospel? I encourage you to sit down and let the Holy Spirit examine your life. And if you're not experiencing freedom, if you're not experiencing peace, then I invite you to come and do business with the Lord and accept the mercy and grace that he has provided for you at the cross. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time we had together, I believe you have spoken. Lord, I thank you because you have loved us so much that instead of leaving us enslaved to the law, you gave us freedom in Christ. Freedom to truly experience what it means to be loved by you. Freedom to bring others to you. Lord, allows, allow us, give us the wisdom that we need to navigate this sea of contradictions as we entrust our life to you and put our faith in Christ Jesus, which is the only way we can be justified. It's the only way that we can please you is when we have faith in you. Thank you for our time today. Be with my brothers and sisters this evening. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen.